They called us deplorables. They shut down our country. They say our thoughts are disinformation. is our response, The Rob Carson Show. It is The Rob Carson Show, and by the grace of God, it is finally Friday. I hope you had a great week. We are within, uh, well, what, how many days? Today is the 28th, 3 and 11 days until Election Day. And uh, we've got a plenty of stuff to get to on the show, including a couple of Pennsylvanians on the uh, show. Rick Santorum is going to join us today to talk about what's going on in uh, in the state of Pennsylvania, what's going on across the country with regard to uh, Republicans uh, sweeping Democrats out of power, provided there isn't a lot of cheating, which there could be. Also, Doug Mastriano, who's running for governor of the state of Pennsylvania, is going to join us on the show today. And uh, we have much to talk about about the economy. we got much to talk about about inflation and uh, Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's husband, 82 years old, apparently violently assaulted at their home in San Francisco. I'm not meaning to uh, make light of this in any way, shape, or form. I hope and pray that uh, everybody is okay. And I also can uh, understand what it's like to have your home broken into. I had it happen to me in uh, in uh, Washington, D.C. area. And I uh, I was not injured. I wasn't home. But it is, uh, it's ter- it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. And so I I hope that they find the perpetrators of this act. Uh, It's hard to say what exactly caused this attack because, uh, unfortunately, San Francisco has descended into absolute hell under Democrat leadership. A lot of uh, homeless, drug addicts, people being let out of jail who should be in jail out there. Uh, There's always, of course, the possibility is a political attack. Uh, Very unlikely, however, because most of the, and in fact, almost exclusively attacks in this country come from the left on people who are conservative. That said, would it surprise you that uh, there are acts like this in the country with rhetoric like this? This means war. That is where we are. We are at war with these people. These folks are evil. There is an ultra-right MAGA. Oh, they're talking about conservatives here. Um, contention in this country that wants to overthrow the U.S. government. It is a danger to our democracy it is a danger to our way of life the maga movement is a threat the extremists that we're dealing with every single day we've got to kill and confront that still not hearing any violent threats against uh, democrats here hold on a second movement clearly you know this is a um, literally call to arms obviously republicans i think are the biggest threat to democracy we don't separate right-wing extremists and republican party anymore i see this as a party uh, a maga party that still not hearing democrats uh republicans going after democrats in a violent fashion uh, no longer is confident that they can win elections with votes and so now they're seeking to enact their political will through violence this is literally what conservative white folks do when they don't get their way they turn violent today's gop is no longer a political movement it is a fascist movement and this is why it could be more dangerous than 1860 or the 1930s okay well i can think you can understand where i'm coming from with regard to uh, wondering where this possibly came from and why Uh, i do hope they get to the bottom of it 
Uh, I would venture to say that almost every news story that we read for the next 11 days that has anything remotely to do with politics, particularly Democrat politics, pro- politics should be looked at through a spectacle, a, a critical lens. A critical lens is what I would do because you never know what the hell they're going to do. We know that Carrie Lake's uh, opponent, Katie Hobbs, said that somebody broke into her campaign office uh, like uh, just like Watergate all over again. And then we find out, now nah, just a career criminal, apparently broke into a lot of stuff and also was a Democrat. Yeah, on Facebook. Big Democrat, big Democrat, but of course Katie Hobbs tried to pin it on Carrie Lake now that Carrie Lake is ahead by 11 points in Arizona. So we're going to get to all of this stuff as the uh, as the show progresses, but as I said, that things are going to get bananas before November the 8th. They already have. And our best bet, and there are days, our best bet is to remain calm, to be vigilant, to be optimistic, to point out when we see incidents of fraud, like in Pennsylvania, where they already had ballot boxes, they opened them up before they unsealed them so you could vote, and they already had ballots loaded into them. Well, there is that going on. You know, you've got the uh, the Attorney General of the state of Pennsylvania saying that, hey, man, we may not be able to get all these ballots counted within a week after the election. There's a lot of crap going on. There's ballot harvesting going on in Florida. Uh, legit, I've got, I've got the information. They, there is uh, money being spent from Joe Biden's big uh, 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 coronavirus uh, relief bill that's being used to, uh, to go after voters to use metadata and to, uh, to uh, message uh, Republicans and whatnot. There's a lot of crap going on guys there is a lot of crap but it's whether or not our tsunami what is in our hearts and souls what has been in us for two years all of the abuses and usurpations are coming to a head and we are going to curb stomp the democrats we are and if there is election chicanery uh to the tune of what happened in 2020 well we're not stopping we're not stopping because we are not going to accept any more nonsense any more lies, any more deception, any more collaboration between big social media and the Democrat Party and different uh, uh, arms of the federal government, including the FBI and the IRS. We already know that there is a deep state like we never even imagined with regard to targeting conservatives, conservative groups. The Tea Party movement completely wrecked, blown out of existence by the IRS under the leadership of Lois Lerner. We know the FBI collaborated with Hillary Clinton and, uh, and uh, uh, the Democrat Party to attempt to throw the election in 2016 by claiming some sort of Russian collusion, which, by the way, they spent $36, $40 million on an investigation that showed there was no Russian collusion. And one other thing here in the opening monologue of the show today. We have been told for the last two years that any question about the 2020 election makes you an election denier and a conspiracy theorist. Now we know that Democrats, including Hillary Clinton, I'm not going to play the montage again, I've got a million montages, uh, said that the 2016 election was stolen and has maintained that to this day. All right? Now, there is uh, there are reams of evidence, tens of thousands of witnesses who have sworn affidavits saying that they saw the election of 2020, uh, chicanery, vote-stealing, ballot box stuffing, all of that. We know that the FBI was working with uh, Twitter and Facebook to shut down Hunter Biden's laptop before the 2020 election. So don't you suppose they might have been involved in other ways? 
Don't you suppose they were already messaging big social media? You know, that's got to tell you, there's a lot of disinformation out there. So, you know, I know there's this Hunter Biden's laptop. That's purely crap. That's got to be Russia disinformation. And, and you know, this uh, people saying that there's election chicanery. I would also uh, be very aware of that because, you know, Russian disinformation. So needless to say, thousands of, um, of, uh, of affidavits sworn, uh, millions of minutes of, uh, of uh, footage, uh, cell phone data that they have used for the by the FBI to go after January 6th protesters. The same sort of cell phone data was used to track mules uh, going to campaign headquarters in Georgia, then going to drop boxes, dropping off ballots by the dozens, by the hundreds, by the thousands, taking rubber gloves off and throwing them in the trash. We know that the five battleground states, the big battleground states, stopped counting voting on election night simultaneously, restarted the next morning to the tune of almost 100% of new ballots coming in for Joe Biden, millions of votes. All of that we could not question. We couldn't question, hey, wait a minute, you stopped the vote counting in Atlanta on election night, and you said there was a water main break, and the next morning uh, there was no water main break. And we got videotape of people bringing out cases of ballots and running them through repetitively, repetitively, repetitively. We've got it all. Meanwhile, there is no evidence that Donald Trump was involved in throwing the 2016 election. And the only shred of evidence that they brought to the fore, which was Russia collusion, which never freaking happened. So as far as you calling me a denier, I would say that uh, if anyone was calling anyone a denier, it would be Democrats who thought that Donald Trump won the 2016 election when there was no evidence whatsoever of election chicanery, anything like what happened in 2020. So, uh, nonsense. I'm kind of tired of it. I kind of feel like, you know, Elon Musk walked into uh, uh, Twitter HQ two days ago. And he walked in and he said, he brought a sink with him, and he said, I'm the new CEO. Let that sink in. And he's going to change how Twitter is operated, and he's going to upset the apple cart. Now, to some degree, and I have been welcomed uh, with open arms into the talk radio sphere, and this syndicated radio program that I host right now, I've been doing for a year. I have been a talk show host uh, for about seven years of my entire career, and this is my second full-time talk radio gig. So, even though I am in my mid-50s, I am a fresh voice to talk radio. And when I come to the table and talk radio, I'm bringing something that's a little bit different than everybody else is doing. One of the things that I bring is the comedy that I brought to the Rush Limbaugh program for over 20 years. So there's that. I also am unapologetic when it comes to truth. I am unapologetic when it comes to defending my positions. I am unapologetic for saying that I thought from day one the 2020 election was stolen. I am unapologetic when I say that I've always said uh, Hunter's laptop is, laptop is real. I said from day one that any possibility that, that uh, Donald Trump colluded with Russia to throw the 2016 election was falderall because he's a hawk on defense and he's a hawk on uh, national security. So it was Fake. It was fake news. Hillary Clinton signed off on the Uranium One deal while she was Secretary of State, got $150 million into her foundation, and then the foundation went away after she got beaten. Okay? So uh, I come to the table with both guns blazing, and I am unapologetic about all of it. 
Some people can be a little put off by it. I apologize for that. When I say that I thought COVID was used politically to deceive people, to control people, to uh, control an election, I am unapologetic about that. When I say that I don't think you need three boosters after two vaccine shots, I am unapologetic, uh, unapologetic about that. Do I think that we should protect the vulnerable in our society against COVID? Oh, heck yeah. Same way with, with the flu. If you're uh, uh, advanced age with diabetes, obese, and multiple uh, what they call these uh, comorbidities, <coughs> then by all means, get the vaccine. But I'm not going to apologize for any of my views and for the fact that I'm going to be unrelenting in my defense of them using facts. In that way, I feel kind of like, in many ways, I'm similar to Elon Musk, although, you know, I'm a shadow uh, compared to Elon Musk as far as uh, business acumen, etc. But we are kind of dealing, uh, in some, to some degree, uh, kind of the same, I guess, some of the same uh, barricades that maybe he has. Not as bad with talk radio, and it's not with the audience. It's more with the higher-ups in, in certain elements of the industry. That said... I'm not going to stop what I do. I don't want you to stop what you do. And we are going to win. Good will win. It always does. But we are going to have some speed bumps put in our way in the meantime. And we have to drive over them. And we have to be unrelenting. Here's the number. 800-922-6680. Biden on inflation. And Elon Musk taking over Twitter, among other things, coming up on this Friday edition of The Rob Carson Show. cure for Americans who are sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm going to give you hope. Vote Democrats out. It's the Rob Carson Show. You know, a little ACDC always works. I don't care what day of the week it is. It's Friday on this show, though. We got Rick Santorum going to be joining us uh, next hour. We got uh, Doug Mastriano running for governor of the state of uh, Pennsylvania joining us in the hour after that. There are a lot of things going on in the uh, in the show. And uh, Joe Biden yesterday, and this is interesting because, you know, I don't know if this is uh, uh, just the fact that he's, you know, got mental problems uh, or if he just has the hubris that most Democrats do that they can say anything and think that we'll forget and we'll be, okay, 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 okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Joe Biden says that there were no vaccines. There was no plan for COVID when he took office. Now we know that there was and he's lying. But they keep doing this. And yesterday it was saying that uh, gasoline was $5 a gallon when he took office. And because of the action we've taken, gas prices are declining. We're down $1.25 since the peak at this summer. Yeah, you've uh, emptied our strategic petroleum reserve and even took time in this supposed crisis to uh, sell a million barrels to our enemy. And our enemy, by the way, is China. Oh, yeah, and they engineered the Wuhan virus. And they've been falling for the last three weeks as well, as well, and adding up real savings for families. Today, the most common price of gas in America is three dollars and thirty-nine cents. 
down from over $5 when I took office. Yeah, well, you drove it up to $5 a gallon, then you emptied out our strategic petroleum reserve to bring down the price of gas. But not only did that work to bring down the price of gas very little, what really brought down the price of gas was the fact that people can't afford to fill their freaking cars with gas. <clears throat> there is that. Right now, there is a debate happening across the country in uh, living rooms or even on cell phones at gas pumps. And it is, uh, hold on a second, beep, 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 Hi, honey. Yeah, dear, what are you doing? Well, I'm here at the gas station today where gas is uh, $3.39 a gallon. It was $1.87 when Donald Trump was a president here in Olathe, Kansas. Um, hey, listen, I know things are tight right now, and I know that filling my car with gas will be about $70. It used to be about $35. Um, hey, honey, should I fill the car with gas or just put $10 in until payday because we can't afford to eat? And our electric bill doubled this summer. And our air conditioning doubled this summer. Uh, so what do you think, hon? And the reason why I say that is because I've been there. I've been there. So this, this uh, uh, everything is uh, coming up roses. We, we know it's crap. When somebody serves you a crap sandwich and you open it up and you go, what, what? And they go, I know, but look at the baguette. Oh, and look at the, the, the uh, we can put some arugula on there. Now, it's still a crap sandwich. He's still trying to force a crap sandwich down your throat and you're not going to take it anymore. Here he is talking about the price of food, and he says, you know, what the hell? Why don't you just, uh, if, if Raisin Brand's too expensive, just buy the generic stuff. And we're doing a whole lot of other things. And by the way, the food prices, the main driver of food prices, is not the price of beef and eggs, et cetera, although they're up. It's packaged goods. Packaged goods. Then, then why has the price of eggs and, uh, and uh, beef and all that gone through the ceiling and effectively double? Chicken breast used to be $1.88 at Walmart. On sale now, two ninety eight. You see people not buying Kellogg's uh, raisin bran, which you're going to see them buy another raisin bran, which would be a dollar cheaper. I mean, so what's happening is there is real movement. When was the last time this man in his life went to the freaking grocery store? And other than driving a car on Jay Leno's garage, when was the last time he drove himself somewhere? When was the last time that he had that talk with his family about what we can afford and what we can't afford at the grocery store? When was the last time Joe Barton ever went to a Walmart, let alone didn't have enough money to shop at Walmart, so had to go to Dollar General for food? When was all that? What about Nancy Pelosi? What about anybody pretty much in Washington, D.C. in Congress? They have no clue what you and I have been through and are going through right now. How high is gas prices, Mama? She said five bucks a gallon and rise. I thought we could use some comic relief. How high is gas prices, Papa? He said six bucks a gallon and rise. This is Jim Gossett. Joe Biden, he don't have our back. We can't drill and we can't frack. The economy is under attack. Six bucks a gallon and rise. Just buy generic raisin brand. Who eats raisin brand? How high is oil prices, Mama? She said one twenty-five and rise. Maybe in nineteen seventy-five. How high is oil prices, Papa? He said one thirty-five and rising. All the drilling Biden's killed. Better back we will not build. His own pockets, Joe is filled. Seven bucks a gallon and rising. Oh, that's only in California. How high's inflation, Mama? She said eight percent and rising. No, that's How interest rates. Inflation, Papa. He said nine percent and rising. Food prices going up every day. Double what you 
All right, that's from uh, Jim Gossett. Uh, two S's and two D's, Jim Gossett, comedy.com. More on this. Your phone calls 800-922-6680. This is a Friday edition of the Rob Carson Show. European American Armory Corp, or EAA Corp, is specialized in providing high-quality, innovative, and reasonably priced firearms to the U.S. since 1990. You can choose from a wide selection of unique and traditional pistols, whether you're looking for a concealed carry, revolver, shotgun, or competition pistol, EAA Corp has it. EAA's 1911 series comes in compact, carry, or full-size in three popular calibers. If you're a first-time gun owner, EAA Corp's all-in-one 9mm MC9 Striker fire pistols come fully equipped in a sleek, light, ergonomic package ideal for everyday carry. In addition, their lineup includes the MC312 series of 12-gauge shotguns for hunting, sporting, tactical, or personal defense that will exceed your expectations. There is a limited lifetime warranty on every series available today at EAA Corp. EAA Corp says get the quality firearm you've always wanted and save yourself a lot of hard-earned money. Visit EAACorp.com. That's EAACorp.com to learn more and order online or through your local dealer. I will take care of this. I will end this. I will make sure we have a plan. He got 81 million votes. Yeah. Right. It's the Rob Carson Show. Don't worry. Friday edition of the Rob Carson Show. A note from Wanda. Rhonda says, love your show. Sometimes your language is hard to listen to. Rush didn't cuss. Had a great audience. You seem to be cleaner than you were a while ago. Was I really? Was I really that bad? I mean, I say instead of uh, the F-bomb, I'll say freaking. Is that, is that, uh, is that too much? Yeah, you never know. You never know. I like to say that I, I don't speak like a new parent, you know, because remember when you were a new parent? It wasn't all that long ago for me. You had to watch the language, everything you did. I even had a thing where I did where I, uh, when I was putting together Ikea furniture, I, I had a solemn promise to my wife and my family that I would not say a curse word. And I, I was very good at that until I got this uh, this uh, wall closet unit, uh, it's a pantry, portable pantry, 350 screws and all that. Got to the very last one. And I drop the final screw, and it drops to my feet and rolls over into the furnace vent where it goes ding, 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 and fades into the, uh, uh, you know, the, the distance. And that's when I, uh, I, you know, whoo, I mean, shoo, it was, uh, I think, really above the city where we were in Washington, D.C., there's still a cloud of uh, profanity that uh, local air traffic controllers uh, tell planes to avoid. It's, it's kind of like a hailstorm, but it's, it's, it's hanging right there. So I try to be careful, but I also try to be uh, contemporary and realistic when I do the show. And I try to express, you know, the truth. And when I can, I try to, you know, make fun of the people who are in power. I think we do a good job of that. Elon Musk uh, to welcome Trump back onto Twitter is reverses lifetime bans, taking helm as the CEO and tweets, quote, the bird is freed. As in like, free bird? Yeah, man. How many people listen to free bird? I did when I was growing up, man. You listen to me. If I leave here tomorrow, will you still remember me? Uh, I think that's a perfect analogy. It's so fantastic. The bird has been freed. 
<laughs> he hired uh, an executive, Parag Agrawal, who is a uh, uh, looks very much like a, uh, a very large seal with a, a unicorn horn sticking out of the top of his head. Actually, that's a Norwal. I apologize. That was wrong. Parag Agrawal is walking away. Why can't you and I have this? Why can't we walk away from a job where we fail and get $42 million? Why, how, is that, how is it possible that you can suck so... Oh, I said a word. Ooh, I can't say that word. I said, I mean, you know, you can do such a poor job that you can get $42 million. $42 million. Oh, and then there's this. There's this uh, Vijaya Gagadi or whatever the hell. She, heck, I mean, crud. Uh, the head of legal policy, trust, and safety, she was sent walking. Now, uh, what does she do? Well, she is a, uh, uh, a political tool and a leftist who removed Donald Trump from the platform. She also, according to Town Hall, oversaw the singest, single most blatant example of election tampering in modern American history, the decision to block, delete, and censor Hunter Biden's laptop from the New York Post. So that's who's been in charge at uh, Twitter. Uh, then there was this other guy, I guess, uh, ex-CFO Seagal, who was the man behind Donald Trump's Twitter ban. Oh, yeah, that, 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 that person, I apologize. That person got, uh, who I was just talking about, got $25 million for doing that. It's kind of crazy, right? Don't you wish you could just really mess up your job and get paid? It's funny. Fired tri- tri- Twitter executives were hastily shuttled from the building. Sources told the Washington Post billionaire Musk is set to, uh, to hold a company-wide meeting uh, today. Twitter engineers could no longer make changes to code as of noon yesterday in San Francisco. They're probably going to try and delete everything like Hillary Clinton did with all the bleach bidding and all the, 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 the smart devices and the computers that they smashed with hammers and, the, and the acid washed and all that. They're trying to do the same thing at Twitter. So anyway, part of an effort to ensure that nothing about the product changed ahead of the deal closing. In a securities filing April 14th, uh, Musk said he did not have confidence in Twitter's management, vowed to, uh, to sack 75% of the workforce when he uh, took over. And uh, I, I hope that's not true. I, I, I'm just going to tell you right now that someone who's a compassionate individual, when I hear firing 75% of Twitter's workforce, I say... No, you really need to fire 100%. I think you ought to hire, fire a whole lot more because the, the organization has been uh, a complete fraud for a long time. You see the amazing thing about these social media companies, and this is something you won't hear on any other radio show. It is that Twitter, Facebook, YouTube do not have to guarantee free speech. <gasps> what? No, they don't. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. And when they started a few years ago, what, Facebook was like 15 years ago? You, you went on there and you just posted pictures of your feet up on the end of a lawn chair on a beach just to kind of brag about the vacation you had and the life you were living. There's still a lot of that going on, but it's gotten a lot bigger. You got Instagram where people can go on and be uh, uh, Instagram, uh, you know, bikini models, uh, even though you're in your 40s, uh, the whole deal. Uh, and then also they realized that there were some people on Facebook and Twitter that might start to espouse political their political viewpoints, just share how they feel about stuff. And, and uh, Twitter and Facebook realized about election time a few years back that, uh, wow, if we're going to see uh, the Democrats elected, we need to shut down all freedom of expression from conservatives. Now, that's a breach of contract because they never were political when you signed up. You didn't say, okay, t- uh, Facebook and Twitter didn't say, okay, only conservative viewpoints will be banned. We will allow everybody else. We will shut down conservative speech. So join the platform knowing that we'll do this. 
No, they didn't do that. Uh Uh-uh. What they did is they allowed you to get massive followings, spend lots of your money to boost posts. I worked for a a network of uh, of Facebook pages, 29 of them, 19 million followers. And on October 31st of 2018, Facebook blew them all up. Every single page. My boss at the time had a half a million dollars of his own money, mortgaged his his home, sold his home to do all of that, reach all those people, was starting to make some money, and Facebook took it all away. And they never gave him a refund on his money. And then you'll notice on Facebook, like, I can't advertise my swag, my T-shirts and stuff, because they won't allow me to monetize. And YouTube will not allow me to monetize. And I will tell you, I have worked for companies where they are very careful about what they put on YouTube because they're terrified of having their accounts shut down. Now, is that free speech? No, it's not. Is it guaranteed by any of the aforementioned? No. But they sprung that on you after you had already already invested in their product gathered a following, they used your following to make lots and lots and lots and lots of money, all the while shadow banning you, shutting you down without you knowing until now. And that's why everybody at Twitter should be fired today. Here is what uh, Elon Musk should do, what I'd like to hear today at Twitter HQ. Screw you! You're fired! I'm sorry, that was a kind of a terse language. I'll say, um, uh, poopy you. You're fired! Whoa! You're fired! You're fired! You're fired! All right! You're fired! Now, that does sound very harsh, but I'm not sure which is more harsh having 83 million followers on Twitter and having the chief executive or one of the executives at Twitter decide for political reasons that you're banned. What's worse? Really? What's worse? What's worse? Bringing the faculty lounge to a company, a faculty lounge very similar to what has happened on college campuses since 1968, excluding conservatives, driving them off campus, violently threatening them, deplatforming them. Uh, those same people left college, the first indoctrinated class in America, and they became the CEO of Facebook, the CEO of Twitter, and they, they did the same thing to us. Let's go to uh, Sean in Live Oak, California. Hello there, Sean. Welcome to the Rob Carson Show. What's on your mind today? Well, I was just going to remark on Elon Musk finally taking over Twitter. and uh, Go. It's uh, kind of interesting to see people that never had to face accountability suddenly having to face it. I know. And uh, the other thing that I sort of remember, I don't know if you saw the episode on the Joe Rogan Show. Yeah. Where Tim Pool and... Uh, this CFO from Twitter were on there. Yeah. And uh, she she was uh, utterly amazed that uh, all of her activities weren't approved by everybody. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, because they're, they're faculty lounge uh, uh, academics. That's what they are. They're, they're ideologues. They don't see anything wrong with it. They look at Republicans as evil. Uh, they have no uh, feeling whatsoever. They're not interested in any sort of debate. They never had to have a debate on campus with regard to anything. They just shouted down people and drove them away. And so they're not used to this sort of accountability. And, and I hate to tell you this, in the, in the real world, uh, maybe this is the first, maybe we should be grateful for something like this because it has shown that wokeism and, uh, and leftism will not survive in, through the capitalist lens. And so I hope, I really do, I hope that all of them get fired. I hope they have to go through what you and I do to have a job. I hope they have to go to a a workplace that doesn't have a wine dispenser or a yoga room or free lunch and see how it feels, Sean. Yeah. Well, uh, the only caveat I'd have on that is I want every person that deserves to be fired to be fired. Yes. But if they have a couple of people that don't deserve to be fired, I can see retaining them. But of course, and of course, I'm speaking uh, uh, in in I use I use sometimes exaggeration. Uh, certainly, are there a few good people working at Twitter? Maybe, maybe I don't know. Hard to say. Uh, I don't want everybody fired, but at the same time. Every person who has kept the company from becoming profitable, every person in the company who has restricted free speech for the sake of a political ideology, they all need to be fired. And I think you're on the same page with me. Thanks for the call there, Sean. Okay, bye. Listen to this. This is a Twitter employee going through the Twitter office, uh, first day at work. Now, normally when you go into the office and you share a video, hey, here's my cubicle, here's going to be work, and you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm really excited about my job. But this person just decided to go through and show the coffee machine and the yoga room and all this this is what twitter was like welcome to a day in my life as a twitter employee so this past week went to sf for the first time at a twitter office badged in honestly took a moment to just soak everything in what a blessing also started my morning off with an iced matcha from the perch got a little uh bacchio there from the uh from the coffee shop in the twitter building then i had a meeting so quickly scheduled one of these little pod rooms which were so cool they're literally noisy little pod meeting rooms are really nice took my meeting got ready for lunch went to a great cafeteria had a wonderful lunch look how delicious this food looks. i know oh, i know yeah, most of us have to bring our own lunch or go out somewhere i was so overwhelmed yeah it's kind of cool made my way down to this log cabin area yeah, there's a log cabin room there and there's a yoga room and there's a place to go in and it's uh the uh, white noise is not in there and all that well you know twitter did their level best to treat their employees really well and and their employees did nothing but kind of sit around like they're in mom's basement and say, hey, hey, I deserve all this stuff. And uh, all the while, Twitter's not making any money. And Twitter's restricting free speech. And so Twitter is proving to be a broken experiment. And if it's going to be saved, then Elon Musk will have to save it. Yeah. Critics of the purchase of uh, Twitter by Musk says it'll cause the platform to be more prone to spreading. Are you ready? Misinformation and incentivize or encourage dangerous practices that will harm. Are you ready for this? Women and people of color on the platform. That almost sounds like it's a talking point based on nothing. Uh, Angela Curusone, the president of the left-wing media group Media Matters, compared Musk's attempted acquisition of the formation of Fox News, an organization characterizes having a distorting effect on U.S. media in an interview with The Hill. No, it didn't. It just uh, shared a conservative viewpoint that had been completely covered up. 
which is one of the things that uh, Elon Musk is going to do. All right, Brian, you hold on. Gary, you hold on. You guys will be next. This is a Friday edition of The Rob Carson Show. If you're down with trigger warnings, you might want to listen to something else. It's The Rob Carson Show. The reason why I'm very passionate about the uh, social media platforms and what they've done to free speech is because I've never felt the heartbreak of someone telling me uh, that I couldn't say what was in my heart. I couldn't share an opinion. And, And when you have hundreds of thousands of people following you on Facebook... And you're interacting with them and you're thinking, oh, my God, what a glorious platform. What an amazing, transformatory thing this can be. Literally, guys, five years ago, I started broadcasting live on Facebook from my desktop. Before you could do it, I figured it out. You could do a phone. You could do a live on your phone. I figured out how to do it on Facebook live from a PC with a green screen, with graphics and everything. I did a TV show before Fox had to do it during COVID, before Newsmax had to do it during COVID. And I was reaching hundreds of thousands of people. And on the day after the election of 2020, my Facebook page was taken away. It just disappeared. There was no phone number I could call. There was no response from the company. Nothing. Not a darn thing. And in a country that has the First Amendment, dear God in heaven, are you serious? This is uh, more, uh, uh, this is um, uh, Bridget Todd, the communications director of the feminist advocacy communication organization called Ultraviolet, talking about uh, Elon Musk taking over Twitter. We should all be terrified. Elon Musk is about to rip open Pandora's box and flood the Internet once again with hate, misogyny, racism, and conspiracy theories. Do you ever notice when they go bat guano crazy? When they attack, 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 when they scream misinformation or disinformation, it's to shut you down. And that may work in the so- what was the Soviet Union. It may still work in China. It may still work in Cuba. But by God in heaven, if we are going to continue to live in this free country, this has to go away. And if you want to start a social media platform called uh, Libtard or whatever the hell you want to call it. Oop, I, uh, gosh darn it, I said an offensive word followed by a dirty word. I apologize. Excuse me. I'm a member of Generation X. We, there's no room for it. And you should pay financially for it, and that's what they're going to do. Government's not going after Twitter for censorship. They're not going after Facebook for censorship. They're down with it. They've been complicit with both of them. But you know who is making them pay? Well, Elon Musk is one, and you are the other. Did you realize that Mark Zuckerberg's fortune has plummeted $11 billion? Because Meta, which could have been a force for good, is uh, laying an egg. Meta is this glorious place you can all get together and you can you can see your friend a virtual uh, you know uh, uh, characterization of your friend in the in the next state or maybe your mom or whatever and you're right there and look there's mom's cartoon hi mom hey it's like we're almost there and it could have been really really great but the problem is uh, Mark Zuckerberg's a political tool he gave uh, half a billion dollars essentially to the Democrat Party to buy drop boxes and pay for an election and now he's paying for it. His company sunk $70 billion into the metaverse, and it is laying an egg. And people like Jim Cramer, who is also a political tool, are regretting it. I made a mistake here. I was wrong. I trusted this management team that was ill-advised. 
hubris here is extraordinary, and I apologize. Okay. Um, what did you get wrong? I had a, a belief that there was a recognition that there is a amount that you can't spend. I had thought there would be an understanding. Okay, so Jim is blaming it on uh, the company spending too much money. That you just can't spend and spend right through your free cash flow. Uh, that there had to be some level of discipline. What did I get wrong? I, I trusted them, not myself. Uh, boo-hoo, boo-hoo, wah-wah. Um, part of it is that everybody knows who's a conservative that Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg uh, threw, attempted to, or at least part of their efforts uh, were used to throw the 2020 election. And uh, we all know that Facebook is a joke as far as freedom of expression. If you're conservative, you'll be demonized. And so we're not having anything to do with it anymore. So, bye bye Let's take a break. Come back. You are listening to The Rob Carson Show. If you've ever wanted to generate your own supply of free electricity, this will be the most important message you will ever hear. Here's why. With new grid vulnerabilities, with electrical rates rising faster than any time in American history, there's never been a better time to protect your family with a plug-and-play solar generator. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving electrical power when you need it most, and unlike gas generators, a solar generator runs quietly, emits no fumes, produces an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. It's like having an electric power plant running secretly in your own home. Run sump pumps, shortwave radios, computers, even keeps food from spoiling. Whether it's dangerous storms, brownouts, or blackouts, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Go to RobOffGrid.com. RobOffGrid.com to learn more. Use coupon code ROB and get over $1,500 in free off-grid bonuses. Available now at RobOffGrid.com. Rush Limbaugh shared his comedy for years. Now you'll hear it here. It's the Rob Carson Show. And by the grace of God, it is finally Friday. Welcome to it. Uh, former Senator Rick Santorum is going to join us at the bottom of the hour to talk about uh, uh, elections around the country, particularly what's going on in Pennsylvania. And then uh, Doug Mastriano is running for governor. will join us at the bottom of next hour. Uh, so, you know, yesterday, uh, Elon Musk moved into the, uh, into the building at uh, Twitter in San Francisco. And uh, he took control. He fired the chief financial officer, which is uh, Pereg Agrawal, not to be uh, uh, confused with Tenzig Norgay, who actually uh, was one of the first people to uh, climb Mount Everest with Sir Edmund Hillary. There was a little confusion there. The sounds of it, and also uh, a Norwal, which is a uh, an, an animal that lives in the Arctic that uh, looks like a seal with a big unicorn horn. There, don't be confused. You're being you're being a uh, uh, racist. No, no, I'm just making fun of his name. So anyway, Parag uh, Agrawal goes away with uh, $42 million. A golden parachute is what they call it. Then also he fired their general counsel and the head of legal policy. Now, an interesting person here, this uh, this lawyer, this legal counsel is Vaja Gadi. She's 48. Uh, in a 2020 political profile, the most important Silicon Valley executive you've never heard of. I guess that makes me the biggest talk radio personality that some people have never heard of. But growing, thank you. 
She managed a team of 350. In 2021, she earned $17 million. It's a base salary of $600,000 plus a bonus of $450K, almost $400,000 in personal security, the rest from shares. In October of 2019, which was, you know, 2019, she was the architect of the idea to stop political advertising on the platform, and shortly before the election, she played a role in the decision to suspend the New York Post's account when it reported on Hunter Biden's laptop. Huh, it's like they almost, uh, I don't know, worked with the FBI. And in 2021, in January, it was her who, uh, who rang Jack Dorsey, who knows where he is, while he was on vacation in Hawaii to inform him they were banning Donald Trump for violating policies against inciting violence, even though he never incited violence. There was that. Hey, Halloween's coming up, kids. Well, Twitter, Elon decided to buy and looked around with one big Scary eye. Day for Twitter saw a lot of people who needed to go. Told them all to hit the road. He is a one-man let's can All the liberal people leader. Don't preach free speech when Elon is your leader. CEO had to go. He'll become a Walmart greeter. Sure sounds good to me. Trump is wary and you should be too about what Elon plans to do. Uh-huh. If Musk talks out of both sides of his mouth, then Twitter stock will be headed south. Let's hope he's a sincere Twitter buyer, not a other double-dealing liar. Let's keep an eye on who he decides to hire. Musk don't let us down. He is a woman. Let's there you go. That is brand new from uh, Jim Gossett. One of the things you're only going to hear on this radio show, because uh, there are some other radio shows and talk radio who try political satire, and they don't do very well at it. Uh, Fortunately, I got about 20 years under my belt writing the biggest political satire for a guy named Rush Limbaugh, and now I've got a guy who's like unbelievable, and that is Jim Gossett, two S's and two T's, jimgossettcomedy.com. And uh, and I worked a number of years with some folks at the Rush Limbaugh program. I'm going to tell you right now, there is nobody more talented as far as uh, making magic with uh, using humor to make a point than Mr. Gossett. And uh, that was the first time I heard that song, by the way. I said to him last night, I said, hey, man, we need to do Purple Peeper Leader about, uh, about Elon Musk. And whenever I say that to him, I know it's going to get done. So I don't even bother screening it. He just said it this morning. I said, okay, download, play on the air. Was I right? Kaboom! Let's go to, uh, let me see here, uh, Brian in Baltimore has been holding for a while. Brian, happy Friday to you, man. What's going on? Happy Friday, Rob. Well, yeah. let's start off with one thing. Yeah. Way to go, Lamar. Because Tom had it coming to him, and he deserves it. Okay, here's very good. Where, here's where we got to go. Yeah. We've been, I've, I've called you before, we've talked, and the talking and the talking. The talking's got to end, and some real action's got to happen. Oh, yeah. These, these Democrats have been playing dirty for a long, long, long time. And I'm not talking about a year, I'm talking about decades. Oh, yeah. We have been putting up with it. I am part of middle class America. I'm not the. I'm not declaring myself as white, black. I'm American. I'm not Chinese. I'm American, and I pay taxes like everybody else, and I'm fed up with it, and I want to stop with just hearing talk. I want to know what we can do with Brian. What, Brian, what it, it sounds like. Say? Get what? in their face, right? Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Get in their face. What are we doing? 
Brian, you are talking about the apartheid against conservatives that has been going on for decades. You have been a part of it. You've seen it. And you've also seen the abuses and usurpations that the American people go through as people move to Washington, D.C. to spend their entire lives telling us how to live ours. What have you done, Brian? What have you done personally to cause the price of gas through the ceiling and the price of groceries to go through the ceiling? What have you done? You've not done anything. You haven't done a thing. Yes, I have. I've put food on the table for everybody, for every damn tax dollar. I've been given every single day of my life since seven years old, and I am sick of it. I'm part of this whole system, and we're all being played and used. This is a coup that has happened, and they know it. Everybody knows this has happened, and Big Tech America is part of it. And we're all feeding into all of it because we gotta buy tax, we gotta buy gasoline, we gotta buy food, we gotta take care of our babies, we gotta take care of our families. Look how many families are living all in the same house now because they can't afford it. I know, Brian. And you didn't do Um, that. You didn't do that. But the jackweeds in Washington, D.C. did. And they don't care. They feast on filet mignon. Well, listen, we're going to hold our our government accountable. We're going to get our butts to the the, uh, ballot box. We are going to vote in person, whether it be early or on the day of. And we are going to be vigilant as far as any sort of election BS, Brian. That's going to start. And then after the election, we're going to be on the horn with the people that we have elected. And we are saying people have to be held accountable. People have to be indicted. People have to be fired. People have to be imprisoned, Brian. Brian, that's what we need. And if it doesn't happen, Brian, then we'll take it to a new level, Brian, because I'm tired of this crap, too. And let me have one more point, Mr. Carson. I want to make it clear as day. If they made up phony ballots back in the last election, what is keeping them from printing them again if we're taking trillions of COVID dollars? Yep. What, we're not making up uh, printed up ballots already? Yeah. We're going to do the same thing. Same thing again. No, they're already doing. They're they're already trying ballot harvesting. I'm going to share stories. I'm going to try to get to all of this today, guys. They are already trying ballot harvesting. They're already using. Uh, they've already used COVID funds for outreach uh, to to canvas for political reasons using our money. But by God in heaven, we've got to make this election so big it cannot be denied. And if they try to deny us, we fight back. There you go. And we don't play. You too, bro. And that means shut this mother down. Shut her down. Shut the country down. Do not go to work. Do not not be a producer. Do not go through this anymore. If if something on November the 9th says that this election has been stolen, that Democrats attempted to do it again, we shut it down. But that ain't going to happen because the wave is so big. The tsunami is so big, they won't be able to get out of their, their beach chairs. Let's go to Gary in Kingsville, Maryland. Uh, Barry, uh, Gary, welcome to the show. What's up? Hey, brother. What's up? I, I'm sure that the question you asked earlier was a rhetorical one, but I, ha- I feel compelled to respond to it anyway. You said, when was the last time Joe Biden had to call his family and say, I don't have enough money to do this? Yeah. And I think that the laptop from hell makes it pretty clear that he called Hunter all the time. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But it wasn't over the cost of Raisin Bran. <laughs> well, no. It wasn't over the cost of Raisin Bran. Yeah, so yes, yes. Hey, listen. Yes. I, was, I was looking at my fuel oil bill the other day. Oh, dear Lord. Now, I have been accustomed for the last several years of paying a, a budget plan price for fuel oil of $139 a month. Yeah. Yes. My budget plan, I can't. I can't stay on that anymore. What is it now? If, if, if I stayed on that, I'd have some big balloon payment at the end of the year that I don't want to face. 
So now I'm facing a figure that is twice as high every month. Oh, yeah. Twice as high. Yeah. So, you know, here's the deal, Gary. Joe Biden says all you got to do is buy generic raisin bran. What are you complaining about? If, if it would eat my house, maybe. <laughs> all right. Gary, I appreciate yeah, your call. Hang in there, man. We're going to win this. We're going to win. Good wins. Good wins. Good wins. Oh, by the way, yeah, here's it. So Katie Hobbs, who sounds like she's 12 years old, has the, I mean, honestly, has the mental capacity of probably a, an eight-year-old. And nothing against eight-year-olds. She's not as smart as eight-year-olds. Uh, eight-year-olds generally just don't have a lot of life experience. And Katie Hobbs is right there. Right there. And apparently somebody broke into her campaign office, and she was uh, saying that it obviously was, uh, uh, it was Carrie Lake doing it, you know, even though we don't do crap like that. We don't steal elections. We don't shut down, uh, you know, election counting, and we don't uh, stuff ballot boxes and do stuff like that. Democrats do. Democrats. So, so it turns out this guy who did this apparently is a big Democrat. Did you know that? His name is Daniel Moda Dos Reis. Uh, he was already in jail. He was arrested Wednesday morning for a separate commercial burglary. And according to police, the break-in at Hobbs' office was reported to police on Tuesday afternoon. And police said it occurred sometime the night before. Turns out this guy is a big Democrat. If you look at his Facebook page, big old Democrat. Here he is, and this is the reason why Carrie Lake will be the governor of Arizona. Because she, instead of just taking it, instead of just looking at the news and their coverage, uh, immediately saying that this break-in was from Carrie Lake, Carrie gave him a little what fur. Kate Sullivan with CNN. So Katie Hobbs' campaign headquarters was broken into earlier this week, and her campaign manager said in a statement uh, that it was, she argued that the incident was a direct result of a concerted campaign of lies and intimidation by you and your allies. Do you have a response to that? That is absolutely absurd. It is. And, And are you guys buying that? Are yeah, you really buying that? They were. This just sounds like a Jesse Smollett part two. <laughs> so you're going to drag the American people through something like this? Woo! Obviously, you don't want to cover the real story today, which we are 11 points up in the polls. And you want to distract the people with an old story. Uh, and I can't believe that she would blame my amazing people or blame me for something like that. I don't even know where her campaign office is. I'm assuming it's in a basement somewhere. <laughs> yes, because that's yes. where she's been campaigning. Yes. And you guys are despicable for falling into that trap. You dragged the American people. They didn't fall for the trap. They created it. Through so many BS stories like the Jesse Smollett, and you're letting a campaign who has been, a woman who's been running a terrible campaign, direct you to a story like this? You know that she's running a bad campaign. She's being attacked by her own party, and she's desperate. And so she's trying to point the finger at me. It's despicable, and it doesn't. And it ain't gonna work. And it ain't going to work. Now, coming up, Whoopi Goldberg goes full racist on uh, the GOP for uh, supporting uh, Herschel Walker because he's black, I guess. Right? Okay? Even though they're completely down with uh, very racist running against him, by the way, with Raphael Warnock. We'll have details on that. Mike, you hold on. You're going to be up next. This is The Rob Carson Show. Haters and anthem kneelers. I think it's misguided to protest the anthem and the flag. Yeah, we're done with you. It's the Rob Carson Show. So, uh, Democrats blamed a uh, headquarters break-in on Carrie Lake, Katie Hobbs' uh, uh, campaign headquarters. Uh, of course, Carrie Lake gave him a little what for. Said, I don't even know where damn headquarters is. She's campaigning out of her basement. Turns out 34-year-old Dano, Daniel Mota Dos Reis, uh, career criminal and self-described Democrat. 
Democrat. Yeah, I know. Funny, right? And then last night, uh, Arizona Fox 10, local radio or local TV station, in the middle of a story, all of a sudden pops up this graphic. It's a, it's a, it's an election graphic. It's all over the place. It shows uh, Katie Hobbs and uh, Carrie Lake, and it's election night graphic, and it talks about the the uh, race and uh, and how it's going. And it said that uh, uh, Katie Hobbs was ahead by seven. Like 48 to 41 on the screen. It, it, it's like breaking news, the election. Uh, Katie Hobbs is ahead uh, 48 to 40, 41 percent. Well, the election hasn't taken place yet. The station is saying, oh, yeah, that was from the Associated Press. That was a, uh, a, a test. We were doing a test. A test for more voter fraud. A test for kind of what happened during the last election when, as we watched races around the country, vote tabulation switched Switched while you were watching from, I mean, identical, identical figures switched. Like 48,000 votes for Donald Trump, 36 for, uh, for Joe Biden switched on television to 48,000 for Joe Biden, 36,000 for Donald Trump. Project Veritas says that the DOJ may go after misinformation as election crimes. So if you disagree with the election... That could be criminal. Yeah. According to Project Veritas, True Social and FBI whistleblowers leaked a document that suggests disinformation and misinformation are election crimes. You know, kind of like what all those guys are doing in uh, January 6th in the prison in Washington, D.C.? Fought police, got them. Colorful document titled 2022 Midterm Election Social Media Analysis Cheat Sheet that was leaked to Project Veritas is reminiscent of the gateway, the expose, the gateway pundit published back in August. The basis of the expose article was a discovery of contacts from the Department of Homeland Security with an organization called the EIISAC, not only to secure elections at the county level at the behest of the DHS. That same nonprofit was also subject to the report titled The Long Fuse that talks about a portal, listen, to allow government officials access to social media conglomerates to censor anything they deem misinformation or disinformation. Well, now we know that was quantified. It is quantifiable. It is verifiable. The FBI for sure working with big social media to control the narrative, to steal the election, to cover up a scandal or more. And then there's Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg yesterday, you know, she's a reliable racist and she's a leftist. And uh, and apparently because uh, yesterday uh, Lindsey Graham appeared with uh, Herschel Walker on television and talked about, you know, why there's so many, uh, well, there aren't as many black people in the Republican Party. It's because when you try to leave the Democrat Party as a, a person of color, you get shredded by your family, by the media, by other politicians. I, I could speak uh, on and on about this. Barbara, our big caller from, from Baltimore, she knows what I'm talking about that's why that uh, there aren't so many black people in the republican party because the democrat party does a real good job of keeping them on the thought plantation and i use that absolutely deliberately and i have been using that expression for at least 15 years so here is uh this is uh, uh lindsey graham talking about herschel walker 
And uh, Whoopi Goldberg immediately injecting race. He changes the entire narrative of the left. We're a party of racists, Sean. Me and you are racist. The Republican Party's racist. Well, what happens when the Republican Party elects and nominates Herschel Walker, an African-American? And by the way, uh, right now, about 20 percent of African-Americans are going to vote Republican and 40 percent Hispanic. And black Heisman cl- uh, Trophy winner, right? Olympian. It destroys the whole narrative. Does it, though? <laughs> yeah, does it really? Right, so, so here's the thing you need to know, Lindsay. Just because we see a black person does not mean that we do monkey see, monkey do. Get back on that plantation. And everybody applause. Everybody, what the hell? What is that supposed to mean? Thought plantation. That's what it's all about. You want a racist? This is Raphael Warnock. He, he's a he's a, a pastor at the uh, Ebenezer Baptist Church, and I'm going to tell you, if I was a congregant in that church, I'd be like, when did the devil become the pastor? I don't think anybody in the Ebenezer Baptist Church is were, is is down with uh, you know more black babies being aborted than born. But here is Raphael Warnock, the uh, the trophy trophy of the Democrat Party. I don't, no matter what happens next month, more than a third of the nation that would go along with this is reason to be afraid. America needs to repent for its worship of whiteness. Wow, that's the candidate for the Democrat Party in the Senate in Georgia. I mean, really? And, and apparently Whoopi doesn't think this is racist. America needs to repent. For its worship of whiteness. Wow. Just wow. It can't be racist when it comes from the Democrat Party. Only the Republican Party. But fortunately, people are seeing the light. And the Democrat Party is dying like movie vampires, scratching, clawing, attempting to drag us all into hell with them. But you know what? They can all go to hell. We're staying right here, and we're taking over the country. Rick Santorum, former senator, joins us in a couple of minutes. This is The Rob Carson Show. on the radio. Oh, thank God. It's the Rob Carson Show. You know why we get so mad when uh, there is uh, election chicanery and lies and deception? Uh, Because many of us have friends, relatives, family members who fought many who died, many who came back with profound injuries mentally and physically so that we could enjoy the freedoms that we have in this country. And when the Democrat Party uh, steals elections, it whizzes on everything. It ruins everything. It makes America into something that it is not. And I'll tell you what, and, and this is what I believe. I believe that election theft should be put right up there with murder as far as a, uh, as far as a, uh, a crime. Because if I go in, it is my duty as a citizen to vote. It is also the most powerful thing that I can do. I have to pay taxes. I have to live here. I was born here. I'm very grateful. Millions choose to live here. And the reason why they choose to live here is that they can live what is called the American dream. The left in this country has everything, has done everything they can to destroy or at least uh, whiz on, for lack of a better term, the American dream, the concept of America. For instance, uh, uh, black people can't make it in this country because of institutional racism. The greatest 
people of color in world history have come from this country. When you think about the great names, Martin Luther King Jr., when you uh, you talk about giants in, in entertainment, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, not Whoopi, well, yeah, sure, why not? She made a fortune. Uh, but Oprah Winfrey, you look at the greatest athletes, the greatest scientists, the great Supreme Court justices that existed in this country, they have reached the upper echelons of success and influence and history in the United States. So if you think there's not a chance to, to make it in the United States because of supposed institutional racism, then I would strongly suggest you go to Chad or Nigeria or you go to, uh, you know, a Cuba and you try it there. But Democrats, when they start losing, they die like movie vampires. So is mine! That sounds like Katie Hobbs' campaign. That sounds like Oprah or uh, Whoopi Goldberg uh, saying that uh, that uh, Herschel Walker, if you support him as a as a Republican, you're racist. You guys are fascists and white supremacists. Ah! That is an iconic movie for my generation, also known as Lost Boys. Don't believe me? This is uh, Mehdi Hassan talking about Donald Trump. Now, I told you, they like, they're like they dragging, uh, they're, they're lashing out like movie vampires. They're clawing and scratching, uh, and they are coming up with stuff that is just beyond belief. It's not reasonable. It's not acceptable. You said, uh, Whoopi Goldberg said of uh, Herschel Walker... Uh, you know, that we, the Republicans are racist, and she, I don't know what the hell she came up with, monkey see, monkey do, I don't know, hold on, I'm trying to make sense of that. I mean, she wanted to say something that was clearly really, really, really inflammatory, uh, but she didn't really say it making any sense. Here, I'm sure. Here, here it is, here it is again. He changes the entire narrative of the left. We're a party of racists, Sean. This is Lindsey Graham. Not a big fan, but he's talking about Herschel Walker, the greatness of Herschel Walker, as a person and a candidate. Me and you are racist. The Republican Party's racist. Well, what happens when the Republican Party elects and nominates Herschel Walker, an African-American black Heisman uh, Trophy winner, right? Olympian. It destroys the whole narrative. Does it, though? Doesn't really. So, so here's the thing you need to know, Lindsay. Just because we see a black person does not mean that we do monkey see, monkey do. There you go. That's wrangling you. Getting you back on the plantation, as it were. You know, thinking, hey, man, Herschel Walker is a good thing for the Republican Party. He made the decision to be a member of the Republican Party because he's lived the American dream. He's, he, he has achieved fame and fortune like no person very few breathe that rare air in world history, and he did it in America. And he's a huge threat to people like Whoopi Goldberg. This is Mehdi Hassan and uh, more of the uh, vampires from hell. Listen to the insanity of what he has to say about Donald Trump. You use the word authoritarian. I'm fine with authoritarian. I mean, we're now into pedantry here. I would argue many Trump voters would be very upset being called authoritarian, but you're calling Trump authoritarian. So let's agree. He is something that is not normal. He's a threat to democracy. He's not just anti-immigration, Chadi. He wanted to build a moat, put alligators in it, and shoot immigrants in the legs. I don't remember that. Do you, do you remember that happening, that he was going to build a moat and he was going to shoot immigrants in the legs? 
I think uh, Joe Biden said the police need to shoot people in the legs if they're trying to murder you. You know. And so let's agree. He is something that is not normal. He's a threat to democracy. He's not just anti-immigration, Charlie. He wanted to build a moat, put alligators in it, and shoot immigrants in the legs. If that is not... Did you guys see the uh, unfinished moat? Yeah, it was. I mean, it's right there. They're using shipping containers to cover it up right now. Fascism, oh. I don't know what is. Oh, cool. I didn't hear about the alligator thing, Mandy. But yeah, nobody did. You made it up. If you just, if I can just finish <laughs> the thought here. Uh, Everybody knows about the alligators. Look, the danger is when you, okay, I, I would just want to put the question back to you, Mandy. What are you actually suggesting we do if Trump wins fair and square? Let's yeah. forget about any, like, foul play or anything like that. If he wins in 2024, what are you going to do? Are you going right, to respect that result. Now, uh, Hillary Clinton the other day came up with a video because the Democrats already know they're scrawd here in 2022 unless they can, you know, steal stuff and engineer it and the whole deal. And they also know that Donald Trump's going to be the president in 2024, although I'd love to see him be the president in 2023. And so they are already saying that Republicans are going to steal the 2024 election. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just say I'm going for 2032. That's what we're going for. I don't even care about 2024. We already got that one. But uh, I think we all, and this is just coded language, dog whistle, uh, conservative. Uh, we have to steal 2032. We have to steal it. All right. Oh, I am told we have our special guest, uh, better late than never, uh, Mr. Rick Santorum joins us on the Newsmax hotline. Hello, sir. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Well, at least you didn't call me the late Rick Santor, so that's good. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so a lot of stuff to get to today, and our time is nine. Let's get right to it. Uh, the election coming up on, on uh, November the 8th, there's some things going on in uh, Pennsylvania already with uh, 240,000 ballots to unverified voters. You've got the, uh, I guess, the AG of the state of, uh, of Pennsylvania saying that we won't have the, uh, the votes counted. Uh, what do you think's happening here, and should we be concerned about it? With regard to Pennsylvania, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, the the issue of the unverified ballots it was just a, to be honest with you, a, a misunderstanding of how the process works. I mean, okay. there's nothing uh, that that's uh, what you do is when when people return the ballots, they check uh, okay. they check to to see whether you know they have a verified driver's license and other types of identification uh, yes. when they mail. Excuse me, when they ask for a ballot, and yes. so they can check those out. And, and and they don't, it's not 100%, they don't, on the first one, they don't, it's it's a first run through to check to make sure it's a legitimate voter. Okay. They, they do a more thorough check once they receive the ballot. So, okay. because not every ballot that's sent out is received. And so they do the thorough check to make sure that it's a legitimate person, that they have a social security number or, or a driver's license or something yeah. to validate the, the ballot. So that's why it, it, Again, just a misunderstanding of the term. So, no, that's not a problem. Okay. And uh, I think everybody now understands. Well, you, you can understand why my hackles would be up. Uh, yeah, Rick. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know. what, we, what we're not seeing, and this is what people need to understand, what we're not seeing in this election cycle are judicial interventions and other types of secretaries of states or governors changing rules at the last minute which create opportunities for fraud. That's what happened over and over again in multiple states, particularly multiple purple states in 2020 that led to legitimate concerns about the, about the, the legitimacy of the election. None of that is happening this time. In Good. fact, what we've seen is that, that a lot of the legislatures like Georgia and Pennsylvania have actually cleaned up some of that uh, in between times. 
Now, let me ask you this, Rick. Uh, you're from Pennsylvania. I love Pennsylvania. I lived in D.C. for a dozen years, and I used to spend a lot of time in Pennsylvania. And there is uh, a lot of things about Pennsylvania that I think are held back by the, the lousy governance of the people of, uh, of Pennsylvania in, uh, in the capital. Uh, what do you think about the uh, – let's start with the Senate race with uh, Mehmet Oz and John Fetterman. Uh, Fetterman, uh, the, the debate uh, that happened earlier this week. Uh, what are your thoughts about the people of Pennsylvania and ushering in a new senator being Rick uh, – or uh, not Rick Santor. <laughs> You've already been there. But uh, ushering in Mehmet Oz's center. What, what do you think about that race? I, I, I would say that given uh, where the trend line is, what's going on in the race itself, based upon Fetterman getting better known. Remember, Fetterman didn't have much of a primary. Uh, yeah. It wasn't a very expensive one. There wasn't a lot of negativity around that primary. Uh, Oz went through a beatdown. Uh, and his popularity coming out of that primary election in May was he had like a 30% favorable rating and a yeah. 60% negative rating. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the Democrats just piled on right after that. He didn't have any money. And so his, his favorable ratings have really been down throughout this entire time. And again, Fetterman, because there wasn't a tough primary, Oz didn't have any money to define the candidate. Uh, it's only been the last two months that people have gotten to know who John Fetterman is, how radical he is. Yeah. And I think that's what's drawn the race closer. Throw on top of that his performance at the debate, which was yeah. was just uh, unbelievable. This guy is not capable of doing this yeah. job. And the fact that he and the Democrats have pulled the wool, tried to pull the wool over the people of Pennsylvania uh, by, by saying he could, he could in fact perform, uh, I, I, I think Oz is going to win this race. I do, too. What do you think about uh, – I've gotten to know Doug Mastriano. I got to know him as a state senator a couple of years ago, and he's running a strong campaign against very strong headwinds, a very radical Josh Shapiro, who has been uh, the architect of you know the criminal activity in the state of Pennsylvania, particularly in Philadelphia. What do you think about Doug Mastriano, his chances of being the next governor? Well, look, the, 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 let me just be honest. I mean, he's, he's run a great grassroots campaign, but as you know, grassroots is only one aspect of the campaign. He's, yep. not, he's not raised very much money at all. He hasn't really been on TV at all. Uh, the, the powers that be, you know, the folks at, at the Republican yeah. Governor Association and the RNC, and, you know, they look at him and they say, well, he's not raised the money. He's not really, you know, run an effective campaign as far as they see a traditional campaign, which is a lot of media and a lot of, a lot of interviews. He doesn't do interviews with the mainstream media. He doesn't. He won't do any debates. Uh, so he's run sort of a, I would call sort of a covert campaign. Uh, very few covert campaigns are successful. Having said that, there is a passion around him and his yep. and his uh, uh, campaign that you. The only time I've seen something similar to that was really Trump. Uh, yep. That kind of that kind of passion. So I don't count him out, but it no. would be a, an incredibly unorthodox win if he is able to win. Well, I think that it, I think his voters uh, are keeping their hands close to their chest uh, with their, their you know, uh, they're, yeah. they're, they're not letting the, the, I think there's a determination in the state of Pennsylvania. I personally believe that that uh, Mastriano will take it. Um, hey, can you do me a Could you hold on for our next segment? We're running a little sure. late. Would it be possible you hold on? All right. Uh, Rick sure. Santorum on the phone with us. We're going to hold. We got a couple more minutes with him. We'll do it after the break. This is the Rob Carson show. Joe. Joe Biden's been asleep for years. This has to be a wake-up call and shine a bright spotlight on anything like this behavior anywhere. It's the Rob Carson Show. 
Joining us on the Newsmax Hotline, Senator Rick Santorum, a former senator for the United States, a senior advisor, convention of states, and a contributor to the glorious network known as Newsmax, of which I am a part. Uh, Mr. Santorum, let me ask you this. What do you think about uh, Elon Musk and Twitter? I think it's awesome. Me too. I, you know, Elon Musk, <laughs> people should know. I mean, he's not a conservative, but what he is is someone who understands what uh, freedom freedom-loving people deserve, which is an opportunity to have their voices heard, and that that, in fact, is one of the most important aspects of a civil society. And when I say civil, I mean people being able to get along with each other, is that everybody feels like they can be heard. You know, just think about it in your own personal relationship. If you feel like you're being stifled, that you can't, you can't get your opinion out, that you're being shut down and shut up, that is frustrating. It's it, it, it builds anger and resentment. Yep. So that's what's going on with large groups of people on the conservative side. They're building this anger and resentment. Yep. And, and it's not that they necessarily – sure, we'd like to win, but at least yep. let us play the game. Yes. And, and I think that he understands that, uh, as, particularly as someone with you know some immigrant background, that, that this is what makes America great and this is what allows for – if you want people to come together – at least let people say what they have to say. And I think he's going to do that. It's not going to be, as he said, it's not going to be a hellscape where you can say anything or do anything. Obviously, yes. you have to control some things. You can't let people out there and, and organize riots, and you can't put you know, child pornography. I mean, there's things that you need to make sure that, that, that you, you properly cultivate content. But I think it's going to be a much more open platform, and I'm very excited about it. It's going to be good for democracy, good for the country. Now, uh, Rick, you've also got, I think, what, 400 children? Something like that? No, only eight. (laughs) Only eight children. Eight. Uh, That's it. Dude, you are going to be like Grandpa Walton with 400 grandkids and 350. Numbers, we just had number two, and number three's on the way. I've got got five of my kids, four in the last two years that are married, and so they're so the, wow. uh, the, the the production, the manufacturing line is in place. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, let's talk about the uh, what's what's confronting our children with regard to uh, sexualization of children, this transgender nonsense, and the, on all the 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 nonsense that they had to go through, the torture that they had to endure because of COVID dictators. Uh, what do we have to do for our kids, and and why do we have to hold Democrats accountable for all of this nonsense when they should be focusing on teaching our kids how to survive, how to know English, math, and science? You know, in my life, I've, you know, I've done a lot of things in my life, made a lot of mistakes and, and, and regret a, a lot. But I'll tell you this one thing that uh, I think when, when my judgment day comes that I'm going to be held most accountable for. Did you fight for the souls of your children? Yeah. You brought children into this world. Did you fight for their souls so they, they have a ch- chance at, at, uh, at, at, at having this moment of eternal life in heaven? And uh, if you aren't willing as a parent, to stop the indoctrination, the, the corruption of your own children, just shame on you. I mean, yes. I'm upset with Drag Queen Story Hour because you have uh, the public, uh, public schools and others who are cooperating and trying to, to, uh, uh, to destroy ch- and corrupt children. You know who I'm most upset about? The parents who bring their kids in. That, that this, this is something that shame is not a bad thing if you're shaming people who do bad things. And, and the people who deserve the most accountability here are parents who won't, number one, stand up. I was watching a show the other night where 
they uh, they were talking about a, a dad who stood up and and called out you know a, a a boy in the girls' locker room and he got suspended from the school for for criticizing that. Where were the other kids, fathers, and mothers yep. of these children of these yep. girls? This is the problem: is we are a bunch of wimps. We aren't willing to say we're, we're all standing there and reading the Hans Christian Andersen story of the Emperor's New Clothes, and we don't realize we're them. And yep. we're, we're, not, we're not, not only, but we're worse because we're not just looking at a king naked. We're letting them corrupt our own children. This that is, is painful, uh, and we have to do something about it. I'm going to tell you, that's, um, that was really powerful, Rick. Really, really powerful, and you're absolutely right. All right, we got about less than 60 seconds. Uh, what's going to happen over the 8th? What, what kind of wave are you going to, uh, you think is going to happen? Uh, you know, it, it's easy to, to if, if the election were held today, yeah. then I would say that we're going to, we'd have 52 to 53, maybe even 54 senators. I think it's that strong right now. Yeah. And, yeah. and we'd have 30 plus pickup in the House, but the election isn't today. The election's yeah, yeah. in two weeks, or a week and a half. So talk to me this time next week, and okay. uh, I, I might give you a better good example. But things do ebb and flow. We might be at a peak, or it may have farther to go. All right. Uh, Senator Rick Santorum, thanks for joining me today. I know that you work with Convention of States. You are on Getter. You are on Truth Social at COS Project, among other places. Uh, I hope we can get you on again soon. Thank you for appearing on the show, and thanks for your thoughts about parenting and fatherhood. That was outstanding. I appreciate it. God oh, bless you. Godspeed God as well, my friend. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. All right, let's take a break. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. They called us deplorables. We're not gonna take it. They shut down our country. No, we ain't gonna take it. They say our thoughts are disinformation. We're not gonna take it anymore. We will not go quietly into the night. You tell them I'm coming. We will not vanish without a fight. And hell's coming with me, you hear? This is our response, The Rob Carson Show. Hour number three of The Rob Carson Show, and by the grace of God, it is finally Friday. Doug Mastriano, the next governor of the state of Pennsylvania, joins us at the bottom of the hour to talk about the race, uh, the possibility of chicanery with regard to uh, Democrats in the state of Pennsylvania. But in case you didn't know, uh, Twitter has a new owner today, and it's scary to a lot of Twitter employees, I'll tell you that. Well, Twitter, Elon decided to buy And looked around with one big eye Saw a lot of people who needed to go Told them all to hit the road He is a one-man, let's scan all the liberal people leader Don't preach free speech when Elon is your leader CEO had to go, he'll become a Walmart greeter Sure sounds good to me They are hiring Trump is wary and you should be too about what Elon plans to do If Musk talks out of both sides of his mouth what? Then Twitter stock will be headed south Let's hope he's a sincere Twitter buyer Not another double-dealing liar Let's keep an eye on who he decides to hire Musk, don't let us down He is a old man There you go, that is brand new from uh, Mr. Jim Gossett A collaboration that we came up with in the last 24 hours And I hope you enjoy it If you would like to uh, share with other people the satire, the great guests that we have on the show, then uh, subscribe to the podcast. It's called the Rob Carson Show Podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. If you'd leave a five-star review, that would be amazing. I would uh, would be very, 
very appreciative if you do that because I only have so many relatives. You know, there's only so many relatives you can leave me five star reviews. So if you do that, it would be uh, it would be huge. And if you want a complete list of all of the podcast locations, then just go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts. NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts. Also, I, I, my TV shows this weekend, and, and if you want to laugh, believe it or not, I was actually doing political satire on television before Greg Gutfeld's new show. It's called Rob Carson's What in the World, and uh, you just go to NewsmaxTV.com and you can find the listings. But uh, I think you'll enjoy it. I do, I do, I do. So, uh, Democrat is blowing the whistle on widespread Orlando area ballot harvesting in black communities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, True the Vote with founder Greg Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips tracked thousands of ballot mules across several key swing states in 2020. You may recall that using geofencing tracing data, which was an eye opener. And by the way, the FBI used the same data to go after January 6th protesters for just being in Washington, D.C. Greg Phillips has repeatedly stated that the stash houses they've identified were uh, used by ballot harvesters to make their mule operations possible. All of them were funded by left-leaning NGOs. Those are non-government organizations. Engelbrecht and Phillips released a bombshell video featuring investigator Greg Phillips with a whistleblower in Yuma County, Arizona, who revealed how elections were stolen in her community. In, an, uh, in the video, an unidentified female whistleblower outlines how elections are determined by a group of criminals who inflict fear upon the community. Yeah. She explains how they use fear and intimidation tactics to coerce individuals to vote in certain ways, and they have ruined the lives of individuals and their families who dare to run for elected office in their community. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. It's happening. It happened in, uh, in Minneapolis years ago. Nobody still covers this story. I do remember it. Project Veritas discovered that there were ballot harvesters going through uh, the elderly Somali community and, uh, and going into high-rise apartments where they live and coercing them to vote for Democrats. And they were being paid with lots and lots of money. But that, uh, that went uh, unreported. That went under unreported. Uh, Orange County Commissioner candidate Cynthia Harris filed an affidavit with the Florida Secretary of State's office alleging ballot harvesters showed up at her home attempting to collect her ballot, and she shut them down. Here she is talking about what happened. This, uh, this lady, she, she worked for the known ballot broker. And she came to my house and she they picked the wrong house to go to. I'll tell you that she asked for the absentee ballot. I invited her in my house and I was talking to her and I asked her who she was working for. And she had a script in her hand. So I said, well, you mind if I um, take a look at your script? I mean, she said, sure. Not knowing that who I was, she didn't realize who I was when <laughs> she came to my house. Yeah. And I said, you mind if I make a copy? So I made a copy and gave her back her her script and so that's how i was able to see the actual physical script that they are given when they're going to from door to door yeah uh, a few minutes later i guess she fell something off so she called the person that's in charge of all of the ballot harvesters they came to my door i took pictures as there's a, no election fraud you're a denier well but with that um, got cussed out, was told to give them their property. And I'm like, anything that comes in my house is my property. Ouch. <laughs> so um, I took a piece of paper and I tore it to make them think that they got the original copy 
and they left and that and the video aired on the local news station here. Okay, there you go. Now, Harris uh, described an intricate system funded by liberal-leading organizations that dispatch ballot brokers into black communities to pressure voters to turn over their ballots. The $10 fee per ballot is divvied up amongst parties who help complete the, the harvesting. Oh, yeah, and it's happening. Shut up. I'm just talking about leftists who are going, it's not happening. There's no election fraud. Oh, you know, I'm not stupid, okay? Far left Harris County Judge uh, Lena Hidalgo not only got busted trying to award a one-person firm an $11 million COVID outreach contract, it turns out the real intent of the contract was to pay for a political data mining operation to help Democrat campaigns. Can you believe this? Hidalgo's top three staffers were indicted for eight in April after prosecutors expanded the investigation into $11 million, quote, vaccine outreach contract awarded to one of the judge's political cronies. Invoices from three highly focused software companies proved the so-called COVID outreach contract had nothing to do with COVID. The money was used to buy voter lists to maximize Democrat voter turnout. Don't believe me? Here's the the news story. Harris County Judge Lena Hidalgo claiming last August that she was uninvolved in the selection of a little-known one-woman firm for an $11 million COVID communication contract. I didn't know this person was being selected or was even applying for it. And yet a subsequent investigation by the Texas Rangers generated felony bid-rigging indictments aimed at Hidalgo's chief of staff and two other key aides. While Hidalgo maintains she and her staff did nothing wrong, financial documents recently obtained from the Harris County Auditor by Fox 26 contributor Bill King. This is in Tejas, by the way. Appear to shed new light on the real intent of the outreach contract. Of particular interest, invoices from three highly focused software companies. All of them were Democratic campaign operations. That's weird. They were all companies that specialize in providing data services to Democratic campaigns. Well, that is kind of weird. It sounds almost like it might have been some of that COVID relief money being used to reelect Democrats. Rice political analyst and pollster Mark Jones is absolutely convinced Hidalgo's COVID outreach campaign was camouflaged for a largely political operation using public dollars to maximize Democrat turnout. They were spending a million dollars on buying voter lists and likely voter lists uh, from Democratic consulting firms, which you don't generally use for COVID outreach, nah. you do for mobilizing get out the vote efforts for campaigns. Meantime, the records provided by the auditor indicate Harris County has recovered only 200000 of the $1.4 million paid out before and after Hidalgo canceled the contract under heavy public pressure. King says the entire scheme has left him disgusted. We lost 11,000 people in Harris County to COVID. How many of those people would have been saved if we would have spent this million dollars that we spent on political software, if we'd given that to Central Corazon or to Legacy Health or to, uh, you know, any of these great FQHCs, these public neighborhood clinics that we have, and let them use that money to make sure the vaccines got out. How many lives did this particular contract cost in Harris County. I wonder how many uh, Democrat uh, voting operations are being funded by the Inflation Reduction Act. It kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Probably lots of them. 
This is interesting. Uh, Remember the rumors uh, during COVID about your phone possibly tracking your daily movements for contract tracing, uh, contact tracing purposes? Well, they did trace your actions, but not to mitigate COVID, rather to win your vote. Over 350,000 Republican voters were given a score by a leftist analytics firm, PredictWise, through a data harvesting program. Reclaim, Reclaim the Net first reported the data came from tens of millions of cell phones during the first COVID-19 lockdowns 2020 based on GPS track movements. People associated with each phone were assigned a COVID-19 decree violation score. The violation score then determined possible voter targets among Democrat candidates. The third-party firm, which works with the Democrat National Committee to provide data in key races, openly explains the surveillance process on its website. So they uh, tracked you. Uh, 350,000 COVID-concerned Republicans were preyed upon in swing states for their unstable view when it came to the pandemic. So what they did is they looked at where you were. Are you staying home a lot? Are you not getting out? Well, maybe you kind of believe this COVID nonsense, and I'm not saying it all was, but uh, but we'll just target you with ads that say, you know, the Democrats, they'll take care of you, and the Republicans want to kill you. Yeah, that's what they did. Donna in Saverna Park is a poll watcher and has some advice she'd like to give us. Hello, Donna. Welcome to the show, and thank you for volunteering to do that, by the way. Hi. Yes. Um, I volunteered to watch the polling today for early voting. Um, It's important that everyone go out and watch specifically the intake. So when you go in 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 Maryland, I'm not sure about other states, when you go in, you give three pieces of information, your name, your address, and then um, they, in your birth date, um, and then they will ask you, at this point in time, they're asking you your party affiliation, which I object to, but yes. uh, they're trying to make it consistent as we are a, a primary party state. Okay. Unfortunately, today, when I was watching, they didn't know who I was polling or watching the polls for, there was one particular person who decided to change the verbiage. So her questions were, I see you're registered as a Republican. Did you know that you can vote for every, anyone you want today? And wow. she would do that repeatedly for all of the, all the ones that she knew were Republican. And she wouldn't wow. say it for the Democrats. <laughs> she would say it for the Republicans. Wow. And I, I went to the supervisor and I told him and I said, that's, that's passive-aggressive. You yes, know, influencing yeah. right here, and it's not acceptable. Uh-huh. And he said he agreed, and that he said that's the wrong verbiage. They're only supposed to say, yeah. um, you know, um, what is your affiliation. They're not supposed to interject into the conversation. So yeah, and there's a lot of that there, going on, Donna. Donna, there's a lot of that going on. Uh, it's just that simple, and it's subliminal, yeah. and they're doing it. So yeah. if you have time to go out and spend a couple of hours. Um, watch what's going on. That's my okay. encouragement. Now, Donna, also I'll mention uh, my friend Barbara in Baltimore, she sent me a sign from a polling location with all of the Democrat signs out in front of it. And she was kind of worked up into a lather about it. And I said, determined voters are not deterred by that nonsense. Determined voters are not going to be deterred by a woman saying, I know you're a Republican, but you really ought to vote Democrat. Uh, so, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. They, they want to take advantage of people who are certainly elderly, certainly uh, uh, possibly uh, on the fence about things, uh, they they will use coercion in any way, shape, or form all the way up until the voting location. So, thanks for the comment. I greatly appreciate it. We have to be determined. We have to be vigilant. Thanks for calling, Donna. Let's take a break. You're listening to the Rob Carson Show.
SS Titanic is going down, and there's no room on the door for Democrats. It's the Rob Carson Show. It is Friday. <clears throat> this is uh, Philip Sace, by the way. He's a magician, musician that I uh, discovered a while back. He's, uh, you know, I've always kind of missed uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan when he died, and, and certainly I wasn't around really when uh, Jimi Hendrix died. I don't remember it. I was a baby. Uh, but if you wanted an incarnation of, uh, of either of those in one combination, vocally and musically, Philip Sace, S-A-Y-C-E, is uh, ridiculously awesome. Ridiculous. I mean, seriously. Go mm, check him out live. I mean, he uh, is amazing. I've always been uh, really big into uh, blues and rock, particularly hard rock. Oh, did you hear the uh, the lead guitarist for Motley Crue? He's uh, he is uh, retiring. He's seventy one years old. That'll make you feel old. Does that make you feel old? It should make you feel old. So they replace him with uh, with uh, John. He's called himself John Five, and he is. Equally as brilliant. So, you know, if you're a Motley Crue guy. Whatever. Uh, okay, so let's, uh, let's get down to bid-nass. we got a lot of bid-nass to get to with regard to uh, the day's events, what's happening in the world. This is um, something that has been uh, very troubling to me, and that is this uh, transgender nonsense. Uh, I have a, uh, a 22-year-old son and a 17-year-old daughter. Both have been through uh, living hell with regard to uh, shutdowns, COVID lockdowns, and all that stuff. And um, we've tried to make their lives as normal as possible with me as their dad, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> but uh, there are a lot of people who have taken advantage of children while they were uh, locked up at home, online, whatever. And we see this movement toward the sexualization of our children. And for some reason, and, and I know you and I can't understand why anyone would say that if a girl is unhappy in her life, possibly contemplating suicide, mostly because of the nonsense that she's been put through at school, social media and whatnot, to suggest that she has her uh, otherwise healthy breast tissue removed and uh, get a hysterectomy and puberty blockers uh, is something beyond comprehension. Uh, it is beyond medical experimentation that we read about. Uh, and, and it is unacceptable. Now, I want you to listen to this. And, and Rick Santora made, uh, m made uh, a notice of this last. He says, we have got to, as parents, step forward and go to war for our children and, uh, and other children who are going through this nonsense. And we have to call out parents who are down with this nonsense. And I, and I suggest we have to have doctors who have their, uh, their licenses revoked, uh, therapists who have their license revoked. Uh, anyone who is any part of this, uh, this gender transition nonsense needs to lose their license to practice. But the kids will commit suicide. I don't care. They will. First of all, I do care they'll commit suicide. Let me just say that. But if you think that the only thing stopping a child from, from hurting themselves is transgender surgery, you're wrong. Because after the transgender surgery, things don't get better for most of them. I don't want any child to ever consider suicide, dear God in heaven. But if you say, ah, you know, the answer is changing sexes. There's something wrong with you, something broken with you. Chest reconstruction surgery for trans youth have surged in recent years. 
study finds the yearly uh, figure jumped from 100 to uh, 489 from 2016 to 2019. Researchers from Vanderbilt University, they stopped doing their transgender surgeries because Matt Walsh called them out and embarrassed them, and they should, found there were 489 top, they're called top surgeries, stop it, performed among those under 17 or younger in 2019. That was up from 12016, marking a 389% rise in three years. By the way, you want to know the percentage of boys versus girls with regard to uh, transgender surgeries, top surgeries? 98.6% girls. Of all the things that young girls have to suffer in our society with over-sexualization, with bullies on social media, with bullies in school, with girls being told they they can work as hard as they want their entire lives in their senior year in athletics, a man can become a woman and compete against her. You add this to the mix. I am declaring war on those who would declare war on our children, particularly our daughters. Done with this nonsense. We have to do it. We have to be lions for our children. And I know you are. I know you are. Doug Mastriano, the next governor of the great state of Pennsylvania, joins us after this break. Don't go anywhere. on the radio. Oh, thank God. It's the Rob Carson Show. Joining us on the Newsmax Hotline, the next governor of the great state of Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano. Good afternoon, sir. How is this Friday treating you? It is going fantastic. We saw the recent Rasmussen and Wick Cole separate have us within the margin of error, and that's after being outspent and the one. So the fight is on. Unbelievable, and uh, you got some other things happening in the uh, in the race. I'll get to those in a moment. I want to get your your answer on uh, the Pennsylvania Secretary of State warning of possible delays in election results. Uh, what was your reaction to that, and why would there be delays in the Pennsylvania election results? The uh, the acting Secretary of State Chapman. It's hard to keep track with him. There's so many things go. It's yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's a revolving door under Tom Wolf. But uh, she's claiming that they're going to need more time because we need time to count all the mail-in ballots, you know. And that, that's a bunch of nonsense because you know, we've only been able to do minor revisions and improvements to our election law because Tom Wolf has been vetoing the good stuff. But one law that gets that did pass and gets signed into, uh, codified into law, was one that allows the counting of these mail-in ballots starting at 7 a.m. on Election Day. So no acting Secretary Chapman, it, it should not take you more than Election Day. If yeah. they could count all this in, you know, 50 years ago, uh, why can't we do it now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know what, Doug? I'm thinking what we need to do is we just need to, uh, when you show up at the, uh, at the, uh, the ballot uh, box, you, you just get a handful of rocks. And you go in and you put your rock in a basket. So if, you, yes. if I saw Doug Master, just do, a, just do baskets of rocks and you count up the rocks at the end of the vote. I think that's what we need to do, Doug. Cause I'm, you know, <laughs> there's some wisdom to that, brother, you know. And you know why, Doug? Because you rock, brother. You see what I did there? See I what I did? It, All right, there you go. 
<laughs> Let's talk also. Um, there's uh, ballots. I just saw this this morning. Uh, ballots preloaded inside drops boxes in Pennsylvania. Uh, have you heard anything about this? Uh, this is in uh, Center County, Pennsylvania. Apparently there was a uh, an official bag being placed in a, a box for Election Day. There were 10 ballots in the box. Do you have anything to say about that? Have you heard anything about this? Yeah, I get a, I get a text from uh, one of my supporters out there saying we are there, there to observe these drop boxes, which, by the way, are constitutional. There's, there's no law that we authorize that. And uh, they open up the drop box, and lo and behold, there's a bunch of ballots. I'm like, guys, are you serious? I Dear mean, Lord. there's no shame in this. Just, no. That, that, no. That's why, brother, we, we need poll watchers. We need you know many thousand more poll watchers out there. So please go to DougForGov.com and, and, and do something about it. Volunteer. Please do, and it's uh, Doug for GOV. Dot com. I want to make sure that it's Doug for GOV. And I already got a call from a poll worker, uh, Donna, in Severna Park, Maryland. And she said there were people there. Uh, when somebody come up, they'd say, oh, I see you're registered Recover- Republican. Literally saying, you know you don't have to just vote Republican. And that's when uh, Donna went over to the manager and said, hey, she shouldn't be saying that. Now, Doug, I'm not so concerned about, uh, and I mentioned, you know, like in in, uh, in Maryland, you go to a polling place a lot of times, Montgomery County or whatever, or Baltimore, uh, you're going to see hundreds and hundreds of signs for Democrats, and you're going to walk in and you feel like you're overwhelmed. But I like to say, if you're determined, you won't be deterred. If you are determined to vote for Doug Mastriano, you won't be deterred by a poll watcher saying, oh, you know, you can vote for Josh Shapiro. What are your thoughts on that, Doug? As far as getting to the ballot, getting to the uh, to the ballot uh, location and voting in person, what are your thoughts? Well, I would say be part of the solution. So, uh, poll greeters, and that's that's exactly what you describe it. Somebody who greets somebody at the polls. The law is ten feet away from the door, and uh, we've noticed that in elections where we have at a polling station somebody there to greet, say, "Hey, will you consider voting for Doug Mastriano?" And here's his information. That that that's like a bumper eight or ten percent of uh, votes in that polling station. So not not just vote, but please uh, give a little bit of your time on November eighth. Just yes. the future for your kids and grandkids is, you know, at stake. So we can. Doug, let me let me tell you that. I mean, if your opponent wins in the state of Pennsylvania, you look at the the the, uh, the trajectory of places like uh, Philadelphia. And a lot of Democrats say, "Well, it's only in Philadelphia where all the murders are happening." I'm like, "Are you out of your net?" Uh, what, do you, what would happen if he becomes the governor with regard to crime, with regard to the economy, with regard to uh, energy independence? Uh, we're, we're, we're done. We're, we're doomed. I mean, this is the most important election cycle at the gubernatorial level in the nation because, for, as you said, we, we have this energy potential underneath our feet, some of the greatest energy reserves available. And he's going to kill that industry, as as the current governor is. And under Mastriana, we're going to unleash that and help lead this nation to, back to energy independence. Uh, you know, law and order and crime, uh, he is the senior law enforcement official, and we have record crime across the state, not just Philly. Phil- Philly is the lab case and example of what happens if Democrats are in charge for 70 years. But we're, we're the fourth highest in the nation for fentanyl deaths. We yes. lose about 12 to 15 people a day from fentanyl deaths, and that's every community in our state. We have uh, human trafficking and, and sex slaves be- Girls being kidnapped from other countries. This is a fact. My wife is a chaplain. She helped with one of these ladies and, uh, in, in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. And Josh Shapiro doesn't care about the suffering of these women. So, you know, on day one of my administration, we're going to war on, on sex traffickers. And my goal is to destroy them in my first year or two in office.
I got to tell you, Doug, it is, uh, and I've been railing on this forever. You've got uh, kids being trafficked across the border, uh, young girls uh, being trafficked for uh, sex purposes. You've got young men who are promised by these mules that if you become a mule for us uh, selling drugs, uh, then then you can work off the uh, the payment to get you across the border. So they're doomed to a life of uh, of drug trafficking and and will ultimately uh, end in uh, prisoner death. Um, and and we you know we've got to do something about uh, that, Doug. Um, with with regard to uh, with regard to crime in the state of Pennsylvania, um, let me ask you about the debate between Mehmet Oz and, and John Fetterman. Uh, and I know my wife the other night. She's like, "Ooh, I can't believe the people are making fun of John Fetterman." Nobody's making fun of John Fetterman. People are looking at John Fetterman and thinking that the fact that the Democrat Party is so down with him being the candidate is a grotesque spectacle. Spectacle. I do not. I, I have pity for for John Fetterman. I wish him the best. But rehab is not. Uh, you know, we don't do on on the job rehab and and uh, why is it that the democrat party has just uh tried to cover up his illness now that it's out in the open what are your thoughts on that race yeah i, I have a few thoughts on it there you know it, it was uh, despicable what we saw there i mean he, he is unfit for office physically and the democrats that they just don't care you know about what's what's for the well-being of the nation here this this guy should have stepped down in may and uh, you know we, we've been in session his one job is to preside over the Senate as lieutenant governor. And he has not presided over the Senate since May. And uh, we are in session this week and last week and, you know, and, and throughout June and July passing the budget. I mean, it was very clear. And the Democrats, uh, they, they refuse to do the right thing. On the second note, though, a bit of a different take probably the most. At least he showed up because uh, my yeah. opponent, you know, Josh Shapiro, who ostensibly, I assume, has his wits about him and his cognitive abilities, he absolutely refuses to debate me. And I'm like, you know, bring Donna Brazil with you, brother. She can cheat for you, and I'll still take you on. And he's just terrified that I'll mop the floor with him, and I absolutely would smoke him like a cheap cigar. But he's running. Now, Doug, I want to bring something up here because you are confirming to me that Josh Shapiro is the one who is saying no. Nothing against Rick Santora, but we had him on last hour, and he was under the impression that you're the one who wants, doesn't want to debate Josh Shapiro. And I'm like, you're high uh, because Doug Mastriano will debate because he is he is intellectually, uh, morally, uh, he has the higher ground on Democrats. So I think that's nonsense, Doug. Uh, I'm glad that you were able to clarify that. What would you like to say to those who think that you somehow are dodging debates against Josh Shapiro? Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with some of these establishment-type Republicans. Uh, seriously, are you kidding me? I mean, yep. the fight I had in the primary, uh, you know, to, against the establishment here and winning, you know, uh, an overwhelming mandate, to, uh, beating the next the establishment pick by 22 points. Are you kidding me? Yes. I, I would relish, I, I have stood before presidents and generals and leaders of countries, you know, in, in combat zones and in NATO and, and, and even before members of the U.N. <clears throat> I'm not afraid of Josh Shapiro. I, I relish the day that he, I, you know, <laughs> Yeah. I, you, you, I mean, honestly, you'd be like, you know, Andre the Giant takes on, you know, <laughs> who the hell? I mean, real, seriously? I mean, seriously? I, I was I was taken aback, and I, I should have called him out. I, out of decorum, I did not call him out. But he was under the impression for some reason that you were the run, one running for the base. And I'm like, Doug Mastriano don't run from a fight. And and honestly, particularly no. since Josh Shapiro has nothing, he has nothing no. to defend his position. He's got a record that he can't run on. Six years of complete <laughs> utter failure as our attorney general. So yeah, on, yeah. Guys. Let me ask you this, Doug. Uh, uh, how are the uh, the rallies going? Uh, uh, you know, one thing also that Rick Santorum said was that uh, you know the grassroots campaign is important. That's not the end all, but it is really, really important. When you go out and you meet people, what are they saying to you? How is the momentum and the energy as we approach election day? 
Yeah, I, I don't know why somebody who doesn't come to our rallies would comment on our rallies. Boom. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> I know. Uh, it, it is. It's the grassroots movement. That That's how we won. I mean, it's with the people. And that's, I think, sadly, I don't know why the establishment's afraid of the people. I mean, because we are supposed to be the people's party, and, and I believe we are. Uh, I've been to... I've been campaigning in heavily Democrat areas uh, the past couple months here, and, and brother, the crowds are amazing. I mean, I wish yep. you could see this. We were just in Bucks County, north of Philly yesterday. Yep. Um, we had three events. The first event was mine, and uh, we had standing room only, about four or 500 people during the workday yep. showing up. Yep. And I mean, we've been in Pittsburgh and seeing record crowds, Erie, now we're going up to State College. I mean, it's amazing. And this movement is what gave us the victory in the primary, and it's what's going to give us the victory you know, on uh, November 8th. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because they said the same thing about Cary uh, Lake in uh, in uh, yeah. in Arizona. And it's the same dynamic. You're you're this uh, uh, conservative firebrand. They tried to tear you down. You ended up overwhelmingly winning in the primary. And they said you were not going to do this. You were not going to do that. You got the establishment fighting against you. And I think you're going to, I think you're going to pull this out. Also, Donald Trump's heading back to uh, PA oh, yeah. on, on November the 5th. You going to be there? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'll be on Boom. stage with, with the Donald of the Latrobe. And, you know, so that's one thing the polls are missing. Yeah, I've outspent, but we're still in a dead heat, according to Rasmussen and Wick. And, and despite that, how do you measure the enthusiasm that we're seeing? Every single county, we're getting, you know, hundreds of people showing up in the middle of a workday at events. I mean, it's incredible. And that's, that's where the victory is held. It's in the hands of the people of Pennsylvania. Doug, we've got 11 days, man, um, and I would encourage those who can to help. Doug, for those who are in Pennsylvania who want to help your campaign out, who want to be able to in, be involved, can you give them some guidance? Because I want to channel this energy. If you haven't done anything yet, this is crunch time. Doug, what can conservatives, what can, what can Democrats in Pennsylvania do to help you save this state? Yes. And you don't have to be in Pennsylvania to help us out. You can, you yes, can be sir. on the phone bank, and you can do mailers for us and email your yes, contacts sir. in Pennsylvania. But go to DougForGov.com, volunteer, or donate. Whether you're in Pennsylvania or not, you can donate to our campaign. And uh, we need poll greeters. We used to stand outside the poll on voting day and you know, ask people to vote for me. We need poll workers, trained people behind the scenes like Yonkin did last year and uh, pulled off the victory because he had 90% of the polls covered. And uh, we'll train you. We're working extremely well with the state party. I mean, they're fantastic helping us train our volunteers. Yeah. So that's how we do it. That's how we get so it So you, you need poll workers and poll watchers, but not poll dancers. You'd have to volunteer for <laughs> Hunter Biden's campaign if he decided to yeah. run. All right, Doug. Exactly. Hey, hey, again, you rock, Doug. I wish you the very best. God bless and Godspeed. I hope we can have you on again maybe next week to uh, to help you with yeah. your your, uh, your campaign. Doug, for GOV, uh, to volunteer and help out. God bless you, my brother. Have a glorious weekend, okay? Thank you, brother. God bless. All right, let's take a break. You are listening to The Rob Carson Show. to put critical race theory in critical condition. It's the Rob Carson Show. So, uh, critical race theory. I just had a study. I have to do that on Monday. It turns out that it's being taught everywhere. We know it. You know it as well as I do. And it's becoming more uh, transparent as uh, as uh, we unpack what has been taught to our children. Nearly of all American school kids have studied or picked up critical race theory in class. A survey uh, how white privilege, systematic racism, and unconscious bias are on the syllabus. 
study is taking aim at CRT. 93% of parents uh, of, of school kids are taught about or hear about from an adult CRT. Topics range from white privilege to systemic racism. Uh, this is according to uh, the Manhattan Institute. Yeah, 93% of respondents aged 18 to 20 had learned about one aspect of critical race theory or racial justice theory in schools. It's kind of interesting. I, I was I was thinking of this the other day. Um, you know, we heard uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg this morning, and, and if you are a uh, if you are a uh, Republican and you are black, you are immediately a uh, a target. You are being used by the Republican Party. And I'm sure. Hold on, let me get that soundbite. This is Whoopi Goldberg uh, after um, Lindsey Graham introduced Herschel Walker and said some very kind things. And of course, uh, Whoopi Goldberg immediately launched into get back on the plantation mode. He changes the entire narrative of the left. We're a party of racists, Sean. Me and you're a racist. The Republican Party's racist. Well, what happens when the Republican Party elects and nominates Herschel Walker, an African American black high Heisman Trophy winner, right? I'm glad he clarified that because Elon Musk is also an African-American, but he's white. Olympian, it destroys the whole narrative. Does it, though? (laughs) Now, here's here's a whoopee. Yeah, does it really? So so here's the thing you need to know, Lindsay. Just because we see a black person does not mean that we do monkey see, monkey do. (laughs) Well, you actually do. You call them racists and you call them sellouts and you call them Uncle Toms and all that crap. That's why now at least 20% of black people are going to vote Republican. That's why there was the walkaway movement that Facebook destroyed half a million people online. Gone. Gone after the election. I put together this list, and I've been waiting to share it with you. And uh, these are all the ways that you are racist, even if you're black. Um, And this is what the left is saying about racism and how you're racist. Nothing, by the way, nothing you can say if you're a Republican will make you not a racist. I don't care what it is. You are a racist. That's what they tell you. So here are some. This is a lit. This is pretty substantial, actually. I'm going to go through it here, quick as I can. If you say you're not a racist, you're a racist. If you are a white a white couple that adopts a black children, you're using them as props. You're a racist. If you uh, can say you've never looked differently at another person with regard to race, you surely have unconscious bias. If you say you're colorblind, that means you're racist. These are all things that the left says. If you're in a biracial marriage, you are virtue signaling and you're racist. If you say anything about black-on-black crime, the black abortion rate, or the instance of fatherless families in inner cities, you're racist. If you question anything that comes from the Congressional Black Caucus, the Black Lives Matter, or the NAACP, you are racist. If you say anything about a black person's appearance, especially their hair, you're racist. If you ever utter the N-word, even when it's part of a pop culture hit in hip-hop music or movies, completely racist. If you don't vote for a black Democrat, you're racist. If you vote for a black Republican, you're racist. If you are a black Republican, you're racist. If you vote for any Republican, you're a racist. If you want a secure border, you are so racist. If you support the police, racist. If you vote voted for Trump, you're clearly racist. If you want to see secure elections, you're racist. If you don't think America is racist, you're racist. If you think the communist Chinese created COVID-19 in a lab, you're racist. If you didn't vote for Barack Obama, you're a racist. If you don't think America is institutionally racist, you're a racist. If you as a white person tell a black person that their baby is beautiful, you are racist. If you think George Floyd or Trayvon Martin were sainted, weren't sainted victims, you're racist. If you think kids of color should study hard, succeed in school, be on time, behave in class, you're racist. If you think America is racist, 
you're, uh, if you think America is great, you're racist. If you admire anything outside of the your color wheelhouse, you're racist. If you vote Democrat, even for real racist, you're not racist. If you don't believe in climate change impacting the lives of people of color more than everyone else, you're racist. If you think kids thrive better in homes where there's a mom and dad, then you're homophobic and a racist. If you don't support BLM or question their finances and the fact they've really done nothing for the black community, you are racist. If you think Kamala Harris AOC and Max, Max, Maxine Waters are mindless twits, you're racist. If you're pro-life, you are racist. If you criticize the incredibly racist past of the Democrat Party, including slavery, the KKK, the Great Society, Jim Crow, and Planned Parenthood, you're racist. You might want to isolate that little monologue there just to have it. And if you want to make it part of uh, something you want to share with other people, we're going to put it in the podcast. Of course, of course. It's called the Rob Carson Show Podcast, and uh, you can just go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts if you would like to subscribe and share with others. Let's take a break, come back and wrap things up. This is the Rob Carson Show, and you are not racist. Today, kids, well, we know that Josh Shapiro is running from debates with Doug Mastriano. And we know that Doug is going to need your help, whether you're in Pennsylvania or not. Doug, for number four, GOV.com. Have a glorious weekend, guys. Pray for America. I'm praying for you. God bless you, your family, our first responders, the unborn. And until Monday, do not catch the stupid. I'll see you then.